Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm not here to tell the future. I'm here to tell the truth. Today we're singing the servant songs of Isaiah. Barry's here to share God's mishpat. But before we shout and raise our voices in public, now that they've acquainted me with their deepest grief, let's welcome in our favorite weakest reads, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good day. Hey, Good hey, day. but he will not crush Don't and he will not. Me. Yeah, how you guys doing? Oh man. Well, I'm okay, all things considered. I'm feeling a little <laughs> bedraggled here in the at the end of a Tuesday, but uh, when we record this, uh, what does okay. that mean? I don't know what that. I'm not familiar with that. Bedraggled. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Road hard and put up wet. Uh, <laughs> uh, little uh, little downtrodden. I don't know. I I just uh, it's been a long yeah. day, and I'm I'm a little uh, I'm drinking tea to get myself caffeinated again. Now hold on a minute. You just got yeah, back you, you from vacation last week, and you're yeah, already you bedraggled. Can't be bedraggled, downtrodden. Well, I started last week with like uncontrollable chills in the middle of that the night, and waking up and being sick all day Monday, and then like plowing yeah, through my whole shrimp. week. And yeah, I'm I'm I have no reason to complain. You're completely right. That's right. And that was that was the last podcast. So how are you feeling one week removed from the 20 percent you were able to give us last uh, time we recorded? I I am back to 100 percent and the tea is reviving me. And now that we've turned the air conditioning on uh, in my house, I'm I'm feeling a thousand. So um, I will be I'll be back to myself here in a moment. Um, Yeah, no, I whatever I had, it was gone within a couple of days. I got tested for covid. That was an experience. They stick. Do we talk about that? No, no that was, was uh, after, we're breaking after, news no, right now. Cause you went Friends right the after. Pod, yeah, got tested. And they, I got tested. I was negative. No, no problems, but they literally, <laughs> thank you, Tyler. They literally <laughs> stick a, a swab into your brain. Like into, they swab the back of your sinus. It is the weirdest experience ever. Uh, so, but I'm fine. I'm I, no, no COVID and, and whatever I had went away. So I've been good. I've been actually last yesterday after it's probably why I'm tired. Actually yesterday, the moment I was done working, I put on work clothes and went straight out and got my chainsaw and just started like processing a fallen tree and, and then worked for like two or three hours and then came back in and took a shower and wait, relaxed, do we, so. uh, do we now say when we're cutting down trees that we're processing them? I don't know. I don't know what you call it. I call it process because like it's fallen down. So you got to like trim off the smaller limbs uh-huh. and sort them to like this will go to the wood chipper. Oh, These yeah. all dry for firewood. Right. The big, the big giant pieces I had to roll off into the woods to yeah. like dry out and use them for something else later. So I don't know. Process. Wow. No wonder you're bedraggled. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be. Uh, Marin, what's new with you? Well, what is new with me? So Fisher's had what we call a soft open. I think it was only open to, you know, some members of Covenant community just to try to get our bearings for how we will open come August 2nd, um, Sunday, August 2nd. uh, How did that go? The flow of traffic in the building, um, making sure that we have um, volunteers in place that can help with the disinfecting of the handrails in the room yep. between services and just all of the things. So the water all guns, whenever someone tries to, uh, tries to hug to someone. take off, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Hugs. no touching. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we had about 75 people in the room and it was as smooth as it could have been. I was encouraged at, at how the morning went overall. And then I was really surprised at how emotional it was, I was again, 
not expecting it. What we did a Fisher's worship night a couple of months ago, maybe a month ago. Didn't see that coming. See what you did there. We did an outdoor worship night. Believe God. <laughs> I took I took the stage, you know, when we did that outdoor event, and the emotions hit me like as I took the stage and looked at the people assembled. Yeah. So I should have expected that to happen this time, but I didn't. I think I was just so busy and trying to remember all the little things that you have to remember on a Sunday morning. And I haven't had a live Sunday morning in 19 weeks. So there was a lot to remember. But the minute the countdown clock hit zero and I welcomed people home, I welcomed them back. There was audible applause Mm -hmm. in the room. Yeah. And I got choked up that people... People are feeling all types of ways. People are feeling un, unsettled and not quite ready to to return to in-person services. And that's totally acceptable. And we've got an online service. That is great. But people are also really missing connection with one another and wanting to see each other, even if it's six feet apart, even with if it's singing into a mask. I kept telling people to lift their voices, but they're all yeah. wearing masks. <laughs> So there are some challenges for sure, no doubt. But just to be with one another again was so good. So good. So I'm encouraged today. I'm feeling good. I will say, I'm, I will, I got a new scenery here for you guys. I'm back in my office. So yeah, coming nice. back to the office, we all have to wear masks, which is fine. But I will say that something that we could do for folks, we're not going to be doing the coffee thing. But something we could do, we should, is now more than ever, people need a breath mint because now we're smelling our own breath. Like it was, it, it <laughs> didn't really matter when people smelled my my breath. But now I can smell my own. Now more than ever. I need a mint. So. Oh my goodness. That's. Oh my goodness. That, Tyler, I like that. That's, that's nice. Like. That's okay. what I've noticed today. That's my biggest takeaway from coming back to work is I need a breath mint. <laughs> we can have breath mints and on the front we could say we've been trying to tell you for years and now you know oh my goodness oh my goodness oh, oh my goodness. well that's good i'm, I'm glad that it went well the, no no like yeah i was gonna say no anxiety or did anybody like were kids involved like were kids in the room and yeah so there was there were a few families that brought even young kids and the young kids had masks mm-hmm. on and i was waving at them and Again, it was just so yeah. good for me to see people and so good for our people to be assembled. It was, um, you know, it it wasn't kind of hanging out, lingering in the lobby. I think people just kind of came for service. And then uh, we've created like an outdoor space for people if they want to, um, you know, have some fellowship after service ends. But yeah, again, as far as I could tell, it just was as smooth as it could have gone. So we're doing another one of those soft launches this mm. Sunday. Again, I think it's for Covenant community members. And this is the one where we will attempt two services. So this last Sunday was just one service. Again, kind of breaking back into mm-hmm. the flow of things and making sure that all of our systems and processes are are effective and, you know, we know what we're doing. Yeah. So this Sunday we'll do two. Um, cool. Yeah. Right. And then there we are back. There we are to August so 1st and 2nd. This, this pod will come out after uh, friends of the pod will have received an email from Grace Church. So let's talk about a couple of the changes that we've made and maybe why we've 
decided to make those changes as we prepare for August and, and, uh, reopen our buildings. So, um, Barry, do you mind sharing a little bit about what we're, what we're thinking at this point? Sure. Yeah. We had a long conversation this morning. Um, it, it is so complicated right now because, um, obviously if you're watching what's happening nationally, the case numbers of COVID are rising rapidly and in some parts of the country, um, so are hospitalizations. And, uh, so it's, it's, it seems to be pretty serious. Like we are on another major uptick. Indiana has begun to increase, but it's not it's not yet reflecting what's happening nationwide, uh, at least in numbers or percentages or anything, especially in Hamilton County. We've got, we seem to be spared a little bit of it for now. Um, we've been planning August because we needed the summer to prepare ourselves for the prospect of reopening. And um, so what has been happening over the last week or so is that several other churches in the area, some are still have been gathering and some are continuing to plow ahead with August, but um, some of them have started to back out and, uh, and say that they're not, they're not going to meet right now. And um, so we had a a really long kind of heart check, heart to heart conversation this morning as a lead team uh, about this. And ultimately we felt, okay, we know how important it is to worship together. We know how, um, how meaningful it is for so many of our people who are desperate to meet one another again and to be in community with one another, even behind a mask, even at a distance, just to be in, in, in the same room with folks. Um, and we have done, a, I think, an excellent job of preparing all three of our campuses to be as safe as humanly possible in the midst of all of this. We're going to require masks. We're going to have distance. We're going to be very careful in the way that we organize people in our sanctuary. And um, it, get so, out of my face. <laughs> so we are we are as prepared as we're going to be to have gatherings in all of this in this situation. Um and so we felt that we we could continue moving forward with reopening August one two, um, with the knowledge that this may change if if within a few weeks or months if things start to really get serious in Indiana and really start to increase, um, then we're going to stick with our our philosophy as it's been and we're going to do our part to um, to prevent the spread of the disease. But we felt like right now it was okay to do it. The one thing that we're changing. Um, purely just so that we can and can really keep things as safe as possible is that we are um, we are not going to reopen Grace Kids uh, Children's Ministry in August one two um, that we felt just would be adding an extra layer of complication onto something which already is. Um, it's already a significant challenge. And so we are going to keep all of our focus on making sure that our sanctuary and our lobbies are as safe as possible and, uh, and be able to pull that off uh, as well as we can. And then we're going to spend the month of August uh, evaluating, learning from what schools that do open are learning and experiencing and watching the, the caseload and the hospitalizations and all the different factors that we are now aware of um, in our state and in our county, our counties to know uh, whether or not it's, uh, you know, we, do we go the route of opening Grace Kids in September or do we go the route of actually closing our doors again out of, a, out of an abundance of caution? So that's pretty much where we are. Um, I know it's literally no decision that we made was going to be satisfying to everybody. I know there are people who are upset that we are requiring masks. There are people who are upset that we're even considering reopening. There are people upset that we didn't reopen immediately or that we even closed at all. So uh, there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of opinions out there, Mm -hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, we felt that this was, this was a way to both honor 
what makes the gathering community of church um, great when when we can gather together while also uh, maintaining our online presence and making sure that those who don't feel comfortable coming or who, who can't come are able to still worship together with us, um, at least for this time being. We're seizing an opportunity um, at the moment. So yeah. that's that's kind of where we are. Yeah. And the more we talk, the more uh, we thought about it. Like kids are just one of those variables where are where it's the least we have the least amount of ability to control. So you put Milo in a classroom with a bunch of other kids. I've seen that. Like he's taking other people's like animal crackers and, you know, sharing them and whatever. Like it's, it's hard to socially distance those kids. And our, our grace kids teams had it figured out to the best that we could do. But, but there, but putting kids in the hands of families in our auditoriums is like the safest controlled environment that we could, we could offer. And so, that's why we're, that's one of the reasons why we decided to go this way. But, um, not to mention the schools right. that have also postponed their openings. Yeah. I think everybody everywhere is trying to figure yep. this out right now. Yeah. So yeah, and, um, there's a church in Atlanta, Andy Stanley's church. They decided that they're not going to reopen until 2021. They just went ahead and said, you know what? Clarity is the most important thing. So we're, yeah. we're just going to stay closed all year. So there's a, yeah, there are, there are many, many different mm-hmm. opinions on this. There's many different approaches to this. Um, mm-hmm. We are just trying to walk that balance between, you know, caring and protecting the vulnerable, which is what we've always been saying is our, is our priority and, and worshiping together as the church. Uh, regardless, you know, we, we are going to be looking at the fall and, and really trying to, focus our energies on how we can uh, grow our communities, grow our smaller gathering, uh, you know, bodies like life groups and things like that and support those. Um, You know, we want to be as creative as possible. We don't want to just rely on everybody in one big room worshiping together as the basis of church. We want to expand into what church looks like in the middle of a pandemic. Um, Right. So. And can I make a request? I know some of our friends of the pod, many of our friends of the pod are, strong prayer warriors (laughs) and there will be people like you said Barry that will applaud this decision there will be people that will be upset about this decision but either way whatever camp you fall in would you please pray for us as we try to exercise wisdom and listen to the Holy Spirit and make these decisions please I'm appealing to the friends of the pod pray for your church and pray for your church leaders thanks for saying that Cause Barry, you're looking bedraggled. Yeah, man. I'm a little bedraggled. You got to be more draggled. <laughs> and I, I did not know this, but literally bedraggled means limp and soiled. That's a pretty fair description. You did say rode hard and put away wet, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there you go. So I am, bedraggled. I am bedraggled. And I'm sure none of this plays into that, also, you know, two months into your senior pastorate. Not not a bit. This is exactly what I signed up for. Also, I look bedraggled because I, my hair, I need a haircut and my hair's getting long. And when I get in the wind, I start looking like a clown. My hair just kind of shoots out the side. So uh, anyway, Tyler, how are you? What's going on in your oh, world? Oh, guys. The, the well, I haven't really talked about what's going on in my world past few weeks, but here's just a, here's just a shakedown of what's been going on. So Starting Friday, we're going on vacation, but le- the two weeks leading up to this this year's vacation, uh, we have had, we've totaled a car. I have totaled a car. No, was there was no we involved. It's me. I totaled the car. Well, some guy <laughs> ran a red light and hit me. So we had to get a new car. Um, I almost cut my finger off. 
so I put a band, it used to be a lot more aggressive looking or dramatic looking this, this earlier yeah. today, but it looks like a Vienna sausage. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, I, I went to go, um, I'm a big, uh, I'm big. I have a big green egg, which is like a smoker. And I went to go open a package yep. of, of something I wanted to smoke. And I basically sausage. What? <laughs> no, pork coin. So I went to go. Yeah. I went to go open it, and I basically flayed my fingerprint off. Oh! So that happened. Then, kudos on a sharp knife, though. Yeah, I sharpened the knife right before well, I did well it. Actually. Oh uh, my goodness! Then, Milo's birthday is actually today. Our three-year-old, well, our two-year-old's turning three today. But we had a birthday party this yeah. this past weekend uh, with family and stuff, and we had two. COVID scares. So Milo's like doing swim lessons and stuff. And his teacher had a teammate who tested positive for COVID. And then Lauren's mm. sister has a teammate volleyball who tested positive for COVID. So we were anxiously awaiting COVID results last week. So it's been a little uh, hectic and I'm ready for a vacation. That's what's going on. Mm. Where you guys- so where will this vacation uh, We're going be? to Michigan, which also the house that we are going to go stay at might or might not have been hit by a tornado. We're still awaiting the results <laughs> of the findings. This is shaping up to sound like a very Amy yeah, Christie vacation. Yeah, yeah. I should have never Tanner talked to her last week. <laughs> we got a call that there were tornadoes and trees are down and may or may not have hit the house that we're going to stay at this weekend. So, man, yeah, okay. but that's what's going on. All good. Bed bugs are next. Oh, my goodness. Get excited. Yeah. <laughs> Bed bugs. So stay away from next. me, everybody. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the sermon. We are in week okay. uh, three, four. four. We're in week four of our <laughs> current sermon series. Didn't <laughs> see that coming where we're looking at uh, the book of Isaiah. And um, Barry, you gave the, oh my goodness. So I have this finger injury and um, yeah, I don't know what I typed in my notes because I can't type very well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I honestly don't know what these words say, but Barry, you gave the sermon this past weekend. Can you please give us a big idea of what we may have missed if we haven't heard it yet? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, this whole series, we've been in uh, a section of the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, that was dedicated to the people of Israel when they were in exile in Babylon. So, you know, a very chaotic time, of a time with a lot of, um, you know, old assumptions that had collapsed and old, you know, everything about their national identity was changed and they were in a bit of a desperate strait, not just in their, you know, physical circumstances, but in their, um, in their emotional and their, their spiritual circumstances. Like where was God? What's he up to? Is he on the throne? Is he working? What's going on? So we're looking at these passages and we've looked at some different ones that kind of stand out, but this week and this next weekend, I'm kind of doing a two part uh, sermon or sermon to two sermons focused on kind of a distinctive feature of Isaiah 40 through 55. And it's this character that shows up in these poems named the servant. He's just called the servant and, or a servant. And, and so, um, this servant, what you find is this is someone who is a servant of God. They've dedicated themselves to God's mission. And yet, even though they will be victorious in the end, they are, they are bedraggled. This servant is very, uh, Limp and they soil. are, 
they're, yeah, they're, they're limp and soiled. They're, they suffer. They, uh, they operate out of humility and almost, and almost gentleness and even weakness. Humanity, uh, ignores them and despises them and they seem to take it willingly. And yet ultimately they're victorious in their mission to bring God's justice, God's mishpat, as I talked about, that's the Hebrew word, um, God's rule and reign and, and the return to new creation about on the earth for all the nations. So um, that character, what I kind of brought up in to the conversation, which probably was a little provocative for some who are familiar with these passages, but hadn't heard this concept before is that um, when you read them, the first thing you think is, okay, that's Jesus. Obviously, you know, you read about a, a servant dedicated to the Lord who gives his life for the sake of humanity's sin and whatever. And, and is, you know, someone who suffers yeah. for that. And so we, we tend to read these passages and we just read them as these literal descriptions of Jesus. I've even heard people say, well, Jesus must not have been attractive because Isaiah 52 <laughs> verse 12 or whatever or 13 says there's nothing attractive about his appearance about this servant. And so we, we just assume, okay, that's Jesus. What I brought about was the possibility that if you really consider that these passages served a role for the people of Israel in Babylon, they would have had to understand something true here. And uh, the argument that I was uh, making from a lot of the the research that I've done on this, that scholars are now starting to suggest is that um, the servant of God is not a servant, but he's any servant of God. This is a poetic description of what it is like to dedicate your life to the mission of God in this broken world, because the world is broken. When you choose to, to give yourself to healing the brokenness of the world, the brokenness fights back and the world does not value gentleness and humility and patience. It values strength and power and might. And so uh, it's almost like choosing a path of suffering just like our savior Christ. And so I came around and basically ultimately said, so ultimately, yes, these are about Jesus because he is the perfect representation of what it means to be a servant of God. He is these, these passages personified, but when we choose to give ourselves to the, to the mission of God in this world, in a sense, we too become like a servant, mm. we, like this suffering servant from Isaiah. And, and so reading these passages can give us an interesting insight into, um, how we approach the low grade fever of sadness, mm. the, 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 well, that's what dad, that's one of dad's old phrases that he always, I think he may have coined it, but the idea that, that when we live in this still broken world, no matter what we live with this sense that we know things are not the way they're meant to be. We know that things are not right. And so we bear that sadness with us, even as we go about our day and we experience joy and hope and all of those good things. There's that gnawing sadness in us waiting and, and eagerly groaning with creation for, for the new creation to come. Yeah. So the big idea, I guess, is that God is still working and he's still working through you and through me. It's just not the kind of work that we might normally expect yeah. because it's not through power. It's through humility. Yeah. Can so this brought a lot of questions <laughs> up for me, Barry. That's, oh, my that's word. like my job now is just to, to give you a you start that. Yeah. Can you take a look at that's my notes in do. the chat and tell me what you think I was writing? <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's <laughs> okay. okay. You did you did just they send us notes in the song. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just I don't understand. You injured it's one my finger, finger. And and your notes look that bad? <laughs> well, all right. Like I said, it was dramatic. Oh, because so I called him the song of the suffering servant. And you're asking, are these actually songs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're I asking? Wish, That's what I want to know. 
I wish you guys could see it. He he wrote they T E H Y. He wrote actually A C Y U A L L Y. It's it's bad guys. And songs is S O N H H H S. Like you were trying so hard to get G. <laughs> okay, well, whose question? Yours, do you want yours. To you got first, a lot of questions. Barry? Are they actually songs? No, no, I'll answer. Let's answer your question. What was your question? Um, okay, well, my question was: Would would people of that time have understood that these passages were a prophecy about their coming Messiah? Would they have thought of it that way, or were they all looking for personal application? How do these uh, poems speak to what is currently happening? It's a great question. So, what we know, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of secondary sources from ancient Babylon of what the Israelites thought about these passages. But what we do have is like the history of Jewish interpretation of these passages. And um, what I brought the idea that, that this describes any servant of God in a sense is actually pretty faithful to what a lot of Jewish interpreters have, have how they've understood this even from medieval times or before um, there were some that, that, some scholars have suggested that back then they probably would have think, think thought of these as uh, descriptions of like Jeremiah, the prophet, because Jeremiah sure was bedraggled. I mean, he went through a lot. And so some people are saying, well, maybe it's about him. But then if you look at the tense, some of them are not about him. Some of them, one of them refers to the servant as Israel as a whole. Uh, and so there's just all kinds of variants, which, which lead people to think, Perhaps in the in the ancient world, they would have understood this as a provocative description of what it means to follow God. Because if you look at the rest of um, the rest of Second Isaiah or Isaiah uh, forty through fifty five, you see some themes emerge that this kind of fits nicely into. And so, I, I would like to think that those who are listening to the prophet Isaiah, studying the words of that he was writing at the time, they would have seen some of these themes. And these themes have to do with like. God's God's ultimate faithfulness to his mission. You see that all over the place. You see that God, that ultimately he's the master over all of creation. And then you see Isaiah responding to questions of Israel, like, well, then why are we in this circumstance? Why are we in the middle of something painful and awful? And if that's the case, and, and if these themes are coming together, Israel's questions and, and yet Isaiah claiming that God is the master over all creation and he's, his mission will be successful. This in some way kind of becomes a fusing of those two ideas. Why are things like this? Because the world is still broken, but God is still faithful. And so if you follow God, if you're a servant of God, this is what's, this is what you can expect to experience as well as what you can be confident in, confident in of what's coming. So, um, I don't know. That's a very long answer to the question. The The traditional Jewish interpretation of these passages, obviously they don't look to Jesus uh, when they think about this. The traditional Jewish interpretation is that this does m- describe more of a uh, conceptual servant of God. Although um, I, now I'm just, re- there is a ringing in my ringing a bell. There is one translation that was, I think in like the fifth century AD, so after Jesus, that did think of these as messianic, but that came obviously after Jesus. That was a little mm. while later. So, um, any all that to say, the, the, 
you should know that there is a lot of disagreement in scholarly circles about exactly right. what these were would have meant originally. Um, but this well, seems I'm to asking, kind of be the consensus. Yeah, I'm asking because I, you know, in other places in the New Testament, they will quote Old yeah. Testament scripture to prove that Christ was the Messiah. Right. You know, well, of course he's the guy because it was written. You know. Right. So would would this have been something they pointed to? Of course, he's the guy because it says right here he was pierced for our transgressions. He yeah. was pierced, bruised for our iniquities. Or yeah, would they have interpreted it to be like Jesus or as Jesus the way the rest of us have? Well, when you, when you look at uh, there's a, this actually shows up in the book of Acts when the um, the Ethiopian eunuch is is riding in his chariot and um, is it Philip Philip. Uh, is called by God to go walk alongside the chariot. He hears Phil, the, the the eunuch reading from Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. And mm. and then he says, Hey, excuse me. Uh, do you know who, you know, do you know about what you're reading? And the guy's like, I can't figure it out. Who's he talking about here? And then mm. it says, so he began to explain to this, this, this Ethiopian official, everything about Christ. And he basically, what he did is he, it says, well, I can find it for you, but he explains about Christ, not just from this passage, but from the whole sweep of Hebrew scripture. And so mm-hmm. he's, he's, that doesn't mean that this wasn't about Jesus. It definitely was, but he's basically saying like, yeah, you're tuning into something. Right. Let me tell you who this suffering servant really is. Um, so right. that shows up in Acts. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, and you did tell us at multiple points throughout this message, guys, it is about Jesus. It is. I'm not, it is about Jesus. So I guess I'm asking these questions for clarification because you, at at no point did you tell us these scriptures are not describing Jesus. Right. I think what you're telling us is that we can't neglect our own role and what this scripture might be saying to us yeah. if we just skipped and went straight to Jesus. Yeah. I think at one point you said if we could just take off our Jesus, Jesus colored, colored glasses, glasses yeah. and we're like, no, never. we're never supposed to. No, yeah. I will not deny you, Lord. Yeah. I won't take off my glasses, Jesus. Yeah. But, but I hear what you're yeah. saying. And you did bring us into New Testament scripture about yeah. how each of us are called to take up our cross. Right. And we identify in the sufferings of Christ right. and we will suffer because Christ suffered. Right. So that's right. There is a great, is a great point that I think I probably could have landed home a little bit more, but when you look at uh, these prophecies and yes, they do lead up to Christ, but then you look at Christ's followers and what are they called into? They're called into mm-hmm. the life of a suffering servant. They're called into mm-hmm. self-denial there. And Paul goes on and on. We don't talk about this enough. Paul talks about uh, yes. the sufferings of, of Christ there's a passage, I can't think of which one it is off the top of my head, but it's almost uncomfortable because Paul identifies, he, he considers his own sufferings to actually be completing the sufferings of Christ, which is like, mm-hmm. whoa, dude, take it down a notch. You're not Jesus. But he so identified with being uh, a part of the, the body of Christ that he thought whatever I am experiencing in the name of Christ is actually the suffering that Christ is experiencing through me, which is like, okay, that's wild. There's a reason we don't talk about that. That's weird and it's uncomfortable. But if you look at both sides of, of, of the, the story, you see Christ is in the middle. You see Isaiah tuning in, dialing into this and realizing that, that this is the suffering servant of God and we, and helping his people, the Israelites understand that this is how God's victory comes about. 
But on the other side of it, you have the people who follow Christ who are being called to live in such a way. And so that's why I'm able, I feel confident being able to say that when we read these passages, we can read them about ourselves because we are in Christ and what we are experiencing in the name of Christ is what he experienced as the as the ultimate suffering servant. So mm. that's how I look at it. And I, again, I know it's provocative, but it, it, for me, it's a way of, a way of having these passages bring new light into our world. Um, and it's the reason why when I, I closed my sermon, instead of trying to give a whole bunch of application points, I simply read Isaiah 40, was it 42? I simply read the first nine verses of Isaiah 42 about the suffering servant and asked people to listen to the voice of the spirit yeah. as if this passage was about you, right. which, which what it does. And I mean, I don't, I would love to know what you guys experienced when we, when we did that the exercise, but every time I've done it for myself, what I hear is something that, that calls me to a deeper and more um, trusting posture in my approach. Attempt to replicate the life of Christ in my own life. Like, uh, you know, when I, when I hear the words and you will be a light to guide the nations, if I read that just, you know, with my normal Jesus color glasses on, obviously that's about Jesus. He's the light. But when I think about, wait, I'm in Christ and I am called to be a light to the nations. Am I being a light to the, mm. how am I being a light? You know, it, it, start, it starts mm. to, to generate in me a whole bunch of questions. Like you will open the eyes of the blind. Am I bringing light to people? Am I opening people's eyes? Mm. Like th those are the kinds of questions, which I just think I find it so enriching and, and engaging uh, for my faith. Or if I'm in the middle of something really deep and I have the same experience where I realize like the verse four, this is the one that spoke to me this this weekend as I was preaching, he will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. He will not mm. falter or lose heart. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this because I'm not going to falter hmm. or lose heart. So anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm interested how you guys responded to that. Did you hear something Did a word or phrase jump out at you as we did that? In general, I just thought the, so, uh, <clears throat> the exercise was, was fascinating. The whole, the whole thing was fascinating to me. The, um, that, that in particular, and just like receiving, receiving that, like I've never thought of myself that way. And so the whole experience was like, was new and put me and like how I view myself, uh, differently than how I, how I, I guess normally would view myself. Like I, I was seeing myself a little bit of how, I think God probably sees me and that was, that was a new, that was a new thing for me. I, I, I would, I didn't expect it. So, but the, uh, the whole thing, like the fact that, you know, I mean the world behind the text, like these, these Israelites are in exile 500 years before Jesus ever shows up. And it, Isaiah starts talking about, um, the suffering servant and, it had me like, I, I want to hear what Marin has to say, but it, it like last week I said, I get distracted in mm -hmm. things like this. And there was something that distracted me. Like I was like, well, I bet, I wonder what was happening in 1520, like 500 years ago, because Isaiah was talking mm -hmm. in five and 500 years later, like we get to say, Oh, that was Jesus. But th these guys had no idea. You know, the Israelites had no idea that this was going to be Jesus. So it, it, it was about, it was to them. It may have been like, about them or about Jeremiah or whatever, but it made me think like, I wonder what was happening 500 years ago that 
is just now coming to fruition. You know, like we're not, Mm. we're not even thinking about that. We think, right. We think about our own lifespans and how God needs to deliver and for us and in these, in these, in our own lifetime. But I did a little bit of Googling. I had a, I was like, what, what was happening in 1520? And, uh, the reformation. Yeah. Well that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Magellan (laughs) started his, uh, crossing of the Pacific ocean. He was the first European to cross from Atlantic to Pacific ocean. So that hadn't happened yet. Um, there was a famous, uh, there was a fabulous meeting between Francis the first of France and Henry the eighth of England in the field of cloth of gold. A fabulous meeting. According to Wikipedia. Fabulous. Wikipedia. Uh, also, the United <laughs> States did not exist. But what right, true. But what was happening back then that like God is like, yeah, I, it was all pointing to right now or, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's the Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a history buff, but yeah. my kids went to a Lutheran school and I would look at their hymnal when I was bored, which was often. Mm-hmm. And. I would read the dates and the authors of some of their yeah. hymns. And I was blown away having grown up in uh, not a mainline denomination, having grown up in a Pentecostal denomination. We had hymns that were like written in the 1970s. Right. Yeah. Like those ooh, those, those yeah, old those hymns. Oldies. And they're There's still singing There's a mighty fortress songs. or whatever, which right, is from like from the 1500s. 1500s. Yeah, and we get annoyed right, with oceans right, right, right. if it's like six months old. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, do you think oceans is going to stick around for 500 years? <laughs> Absolutely. If I have anything to do with it. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I wonder, I was like, man, I wonder if anybody in 1520 was like, there's going to be a coronavirus and it's never going to go away. And now here we are. Probably. Yeah. yeah I'm sure someone was like, guys, there's going to be a virus. You don't know what viruses are. Well, let me explain. <laughs> so that was yes. my big takeaway is how, how like God's timing is not my own and how he sees me versus how I see myself and all that. Hmm. Hmm. Maren, how, how did that uh, yeah. experience impact you? Well, I, I have the unique, almost weekly, I listen to the sermon more than once. And I think that is pretty unique. Um, maybe just, maybe you guys hear it more than once. Obviously, Barry, you will often preach three times. You know, you'll yeah. say it differently each time. But you know, oftentimes I'll sit through the sermon for both services at Fisher's or in this case, because I had to be at church for our soft open, I didn't get to watch church with my family mm. until later on Sunday night. So I did get to take the sermon in twice and go through that whole exercise twice. Mm. And the same things stuck out both times, but then the second time something else jumped out that didn't jump out the first time. So again, Barry, I think you just said it a few minutes ago, every time you do this exercise, which would imply that you do it more than once. So even that's an encouragement that we can look at the scripture and let it wash over us and let the Holy spirit do the talking. Yeah, absolutely. Let him pick things out. So the first line, my servant whom I strengthen, Hmm. I needed that. Yeah. Sometimes I will look at quiet times as one more thing that needs to be accomplished. Mm. Better get to that quiet time today. You better, you know, it it becomes another task. 
But what I heard from that passage was, you don't strengthen you. I strengthen you. My servant whom I strengthen. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have to do quiet times. It doesn't mean I don't have to be quiet before the Lord. But I don't rely on myself to find the strength to do the things that I need to do. Hmm. He strengthens me. My servant whom I strengthen. So that stuck out. And then the part about being a light to the nations. Mm, yeah. I just wrote, I want to be a light to the nations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. And then I just start kind of cross referencing with, you know, other scriptures that immediately come to mind when you think about that a light to the nations, like a city on a hill. Mm you know, a light to the nations or, you know, let your light shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your God in heaven, a light to the nations. I've been spending a lot of time in first Peter and it talks a lot about suffering. Yeah. And it talks a lot about how to live exemplary lives Hmm. among the natives. How do we let our light shine? He doesn't say anything. Peter doesn't say anything about, Shouting. (laughs) He talks a lot about submission. He talks a lot about that self-giving love. Yeah. Again, things that are really uh, anti-Western culture. Yeah. And that that's how their light is going to shine. So the second time I did this exercise, something that stood out to me that did not stand out to me the first time through was a question. Can you bring justice without shouting? Hmm. And I'm just mulling that over. Just let that marinate. Can you bring justice without shouting? Huh. That's interesting. Especially right now in in uh-huh. with world events as they see, are. You see where I'm going. I know where you're you going. see where I'm going. I know where you're going. And I'm not saying I have the answer, right. but I'm saying that scripture would suggest that you can that you will bring out you will bring forth the ultimate justice. Right. Like Jesus did. Right. Without shouting <laughs> and, and doing it in the upside down kingdom yeah. of submission and self-giving love and all of the things. Yeah. Reread the passage. Yeah. I did not write this. Yeah. Maren, don't look at me. The, the, don't look at me like that. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> yeah. The fourth, the fourth the servant song is the one that we'll look at more in detail next week. But um that's the one that, that we're probably the most familiar with, but it's the one that says, you know, like a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And in right. some ways it's like Christ or, or the servant gives his own life without saying a word. And that mm-hmm. is how God's purposes are accomplished, which is like that. The thing that, that probably the, my favorite, and I probably quote it the most often because it really convicts me is the thing about not crushing the weakest reed or putting out a flickering candle um, well, first of all, w- when we think about bringing justice, like it's not, a, we're not thinking like, let's protect every read. We're like, let's take a bush hog to the field and we're going to like, l- we're just going to like flatten this whole thing. I know what a bush hog is now. I never did before, but now I do. Um, <laughs> I don't and know like, anything about that. It's like an epic tractor pulled lawnmower. Let's just, I'll just say that, but like, that's fun. Yeah. But, um, but I, I I think about my own life and I think how often do I want to just kind of bat aside the people, individuals that are weak reeds or flickering candles because like, ugh, I don't want to, 
I don't want to deal with you. I want to deal with fixing the world, you know, like I want to, and yet there's something about that to me, which is like the gentleness Mm -hmm. of paying attention to the weakest read. I think Jesus did that. I think I look at him stopping his ministry to like hang out with a bunch of kids and everybody's like, come on, Jesus, we've got stuff to do. And he's like, Hey, Whoa. Like, if you're not going to receive the kingdom like these guys, he's like, he was, he wouldn't crush the weakest read. And I just think, Ooh, I've got work to do in that, in that Mm. regard, because, um, it's a lot of work to not crush a weak read. (laughs) Yeah. So my wife right now is, uh, you know, looking for a side hustle. Um, Everybody, you know, schools are closing back down and things like that. So people need childcare. So she's exploring, you know, maybe I could watch someone's kids. Mm -hmm. And you just saying that, Barry, I was thinking of these, these kids that I don't know. And and since she said that, I was like, I don't want these kids. No, I don't want these kids coming into our, no, I don't (laughs) get these kids that I don't know out of here. All I like, I don't like anybody else's kids. But uh, they may be the there's worst. A, there's a couple of flickering candles. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm putting them out. That is funny. That's funny. That is funny. I, I always saw that weak read flickering candle as like somebody who's somebody who is maybe losing their faith. Mm. Um, there was someone um, years ago that was in my life that had reached that point. And that's just how I kept seeing them as like, Hey, they're a flickering candle and we won't snuff them out. We've got to do what we can to be gentle and to fan it into a flame and, and all of that. And again, spending so much time, um, studying Peter, I see over and over where his faith is weak and Jesus doesn't snuff him out. Mm over and over he says the wrong thing he's real impulsive he says something really foolish and sometimes jesus will rebuke him but always restore him in love and ultimately restore him to the point where he becomes like whatever jesus called him the rock upon which i will build my church yeah. you know yeah. but but he was smoldering so many times yeah he was a weak reed over and over again but he wasn't snuffed out. He, he wasn't stomped out. Hmm. Um, and it, it's the gentleness and the love of Jesus that always brought him back to repentance and ultimately to being, you know, the, one of the fathers of our faith. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that leads me to my last question. I think this is my last question. I loved what you said about prophets, how they don't tell the future. They tell the truth. Yeah. I like this because coming from a Pentecostal background, there were a lot of people who thought that prophets told the future. Yeah. And if you were to get a prophecy, they just told yeah. the future about what would happen in your life. And it's not that that doesn't happen or that that isn't legit. I'm not making light of of that, but I've struggled with it and yeah. I've seen it. Um, it's brought a lot of questions in my life as I have tried to process my upbringing the way you process a tree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chopping in some of it up and putting some of it in a wood chipper. Yeah. Uh, but as you talk about next week's passage, some of those lines do tell the future. Mm-hmm. He was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. It, they are, they are telling the future. How, how do we, 
How do we process that? Yeah. Well, okay. So I tried to make, a, I made one aside when I, when I said this again, and I, I, I want to reiterate it. I, I say prophets don't tell the future. They tell the truth as a simple way of just reminding ourselves that when we're reading the prophets, we're not just looking for predictions about Jesus. This is not just wearing our, our Jesus colored glasses all the time. What we're doing is we're trying to understand what is the truth from God's spirit that the prophet was speaking. Sometimes this does tell the, the future. There are plenty of prophets who tell the people mm-hmm. of Israel, look, if you don't repent, God is going to going to bring about the exile. Like you will, you'll be Mm -hmm. cast into a place far from home. You will lose what you like. And those things ultimately happened. But when you think about it, something like that, which is a um, more of a promise or a prediction, had Israel repented, hypothetically, it would not have come to pass, right? Had they repented, uh, or if you look at even Jonah, uh, the story of Jonah, where Jonah is told, go prophesy to Assyria, that if they don't repent, then they'll be destroyed. And so he's like, no, I don't want to. And finally he goes and he does it and they repent. So were they going to get destroyed or not? You know, the future. So in some sense, what I'm trying to say is that in those cases, I think it is the, the truth that, that, that is uh, being exposed experienced as a future Mm -hmm. event because they didn't repent or something like that. When it comes to the specific predictions, um, that's a really interesting question. Like, uh, you know, predictions that, that the, the Messiah would be born of the house of David or that, um, you know, they divide, they cast lots for my clothing. That's something which I find really interesting was the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm leaving little breadcrumbs in the prophets that mm-hmm. we could then discover later was, um, was there some broader truth that the, the prophet was tuning into that Jesus happened to fulfill mm-hmm. when we talk about being crushed for our iniquities. Um, when you look at this, the Isaiah 52, 53, there are some things which don't exactly line up with Jesus. And so mm-hmm. we kind of have to, we kind of have to dance around them a little bit to try to make them fit with Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, broadly speaking, if the prophecy is about God's servant being crushed because of the sin of others or, or bearing the weight of the brokenness of the world in his mission to heal it, that, that does then start to predict in a sense how Christ comes to do his ministry. So, um, but I don't know, it's possible that the spirit was just like, uh, let's throw in a little line here about casting lots for clothing. Cause I think that's just going to be super cool for the apostles. Well, and like I, I don't want to discount the mystery, the beautiful mystery that is the word of God. Like you said, we can't draw a straight line, you know, through every single thing that we see in the Bible. And there's a lot of both. And this passage is about servants who will suffer. Yeah. And it is also about the ultimate servant who is our example of perfect suffering. There's a lot of both and. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, I think, I think maybe we err on the side of trying to make logic of everything. That's right. We see and read, but there's still so much I, mystery. I feel like there was a, there was a mentality growing up and even in my, in my undergraduate uh, Bible school years, there was a mentality that somehow Jesus would be more legitimate if we could point to specific things that were predicted mm-hmm. before him that came true with proof him. text, proof yeah. text. And, and I guess for me nowadays, that doesn't, 
that doesn't really impress me or doesn't prove anything to me. What really impresses me is to see that the is the the deep poetic imagination and how the prophets were dialing into the the grand narrative of of God's redemption and mm. to me with the spirit breathing through that no wonder they tuned into some truths about Christ mm. um mm-hmm. and I'm more impressed with that and I look at that and it just comes alive and I see how they're where the prophets fall in the the grand sweep of scripture and it just like brings me to tears um mm. and I'm like interesting how that specific phrase seems to have been true of Jesus as well. Um, but yeah. you know, I, I call me, call me more skeptical or, or something like uh, there's an example of, um, in, in earlier in Isaiah, when I'm trying to think, where is it? Um, where the prophecy that the virgin will be with child and you should mm-hmm. be called, his she name shall, shall be called a son. Yeah. And his yeah. name will be Emmanuel God with us. There are some who believe, and I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm just saying it's it's out there, who believe that this actually was a prophecy about the the son of Hezekiah, the the king of, of Israel. <laughs> okay. Hmm. And and I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if that's true or not. It might have been a specific hmm. prophecy about Jesus, but if that's the case, that it was about Hezekiah, that's okay because it also points to Christ. Like in my mind, what the, the bigger truth of, of, you know, the, the, the virgin being with child and bearing a child that would be named God with us is true of Christ. And so it doesn't bother me if that's the case, but I know that Mm -hmm. that's not, that's, that's a little, not everyone's there and I'm okay if you're not there. That's just kind of how I look at it, you know, um, Ultimately, I, the way I look at it is the prophets are listening to the spirit and dialing into God's truth, which transcends time, but it's always relevant to what they're experiencing in their world mm-hmm. at the time. I don't think prophets were just writing stuff that everyone was like, well, that's weird. And I'm never going to mm-hmm. understand that, but it's for future generations. But that's just my, that's my opinion. Man, now that Maren's preaching in August, you guys are both talking over my head. <laughs> I was like, now that I've been studying Peter, no. uh, here's all the things I know. And <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but it is, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I feel like I get like this every time we do a BYOB series yeah. because the Bible is so wicked deep. Yeah. There's, you could never plumb the depths of it. Something you just said, Barry, about, you know, well, it might have been Hezekiah but who, or the son of Hezekiah, but who cares? Because it was about Jesus, too. There was a point. I don't know if it was after the transfiguration or what, but Jesus is talking to his closest disciples mm-hmm. about, you know, Elijah. And you know how Elijah, this, that and the other. And then there's a little text in parentheses that says, and the disciples knew he meant John the Baptist. Yeah. Like the ministry of Elijah and who he was as a prophet Mm -hmm. was likened to that of John the Baptist. And so even though he used the name Elijah, they knew, oh, yeah, he's explaining the whole ministry of John the Baptist. So, again, it's so cool. And if you want to just, you know, read that passage in Isaiah and say, you know, okay, that's about baby Jesus. Right. And cool. Yeah. Because it is. That's right. But if there's another thought out there that it might be about someone else, that doesn't shake my faith. That doesn't make me question the truth of the Bible. Right. Because it all 
it's just so deep. We right. could never plumb the depths of it. Right. And we can never plumb the depths of it. And when you see that stuff about, you know, being named Emmanuel, God with us, and you, you know, we want to look at that and we say, okay, it's about Jesus. So we just take that one verse. But when you actually look at the whole passage, when you start doing the world of the text, you realize the context of that prophecy is, is, uh, the southern kingdom in a bit of a crisis point where the king of he- King Hezekiah, this is like a uh, hundred years before the exile, maybe uh, where King Hezekiah is, is at this turning point of having to decide, is he going to trust in God to save him? Or is he going to trust in human wisdom? And the prophet is saying, look, God is with us. And so much so that your, your son, if it, if it is his son, that your son is going to be named God with us. That's how we know that you can trust in him and make the, make the, right decision. And you look at this, the narrative of Isaiah and in that story, because of God's work, Assyria demolishes the Northern kingdom, but stops short at Jerusalem and it ends up and um, Sennacherib, the, the Assyrian King is killed miraculously by his sons mm-hmm. or by a disease or something. There's disagreement. And then Assyria withdraws and, and Judah, the Jerusalem is saved because Hezekiah chose to be, to trust in God's deliverance. Okay. So you look at the bigger context uh, of that prophecy and you realize that what, what that's really about what it's really about is God's faithfulness to save and his faithfulness to deliver us if we trust in him and not mm. in our own strength. Then you take that and you you apply that to Christ and you realize that ultimately what the coming of Christ was, was hope that we didn't have to fix our own problems. We didn't have to deliver ourselves. We can be delivered from the brokenness of sin simply by looking to him and trusting in him. And so to me, I'm like, that's what that gets me so fired up about prophecies like that. Mm. And I understand why yeah. the New Testament apostles would have been tuning into them because they got the bigger picture of what this was about. Because it might have meant something in Hezekiah's day about their coming um, liberation. But wait, there's more. Right. You think it's about this. Wait till you see what I do, you know, a couple hundred years from now. Right. Or or with Elijah. You thought Elijah was cool. But wait, mm. there's more. Wait till you see John the Baptist and, and what he's doing. So, Tyler, I think that's why Barry and I get fired up about nerdy things, <laughs> because they point to the greatness no, of our it's, God. It's, it's super cool. Um, Barry, you may be, yeah, you may I love be it. And, bedazzled and or whatever, but you're, uh, you're on one today. What? what you said say? you may be bedazzled or whatever, but you're on one today. Bedazzled, bedraggled, <laughs> bedraggled. Well, you got no, the- and that's that's what these theories are for. Like yeah. literally, anyone can see these kind of light bulbs going off as they dig into these scriptures, and all they have to do is take the time to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you got to get me, you got got me talking about Isaiah. So of course I'm going to get fired up. Did you know that this was that I took that my, my very (laughs) first class in seminary for some reason was Isaiah. And it was probably of the whole time in seminary. It was the hardest class, but the richest class. Yeah. I'm not, it it was, it was, I'm telling the truth. (laughs) It absolutely just ignited like a rocket. My, my love of scripture and the old Testament. And so if you have in any way been blessed by some of the perspectives that I've been able to draw out of the old Testament over the last like four years, we can thank, uh, professor McAlpine and my, and my Isaiah class for, for doing that That started the the journey. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably uh, tell him something like that. I should probably send him an yeah. email or something. Uh, 
where are we going next? What are we going to do? Okay, so this next week we're gonna we're gonna look at that fourth servant song in detail. Isaiah, it's fifty-two, verse thirteen through fifty-three, twelve, I think, or or something like that. Um, and it's it's you'll you'll be familiar with it. It's the the one that we quote a lot at on Good Friday because it it really does describe the the suffering that that the servant went through, and that when that servant is Christ, it makes it makes the whole passage so. Um, so applicable. But what I'm going to focus on is one angle of it, which has to do with why humanity rejected him. What was mm. it that, that why did humanity despise him and turn their back on him? And, and why did the, why did his own people, you know, that's the, 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 in the, the story itself, it's like the Israelites ignore him, even though he's one of them. And so why, what is it about him that, that we ignore? And then the question of course, being, and what might we be missing if we're not looking in the right place? Um, so that's that's where I'll be going this weekend. I think it'll be interesting. So you, and, yeah, we're putting our Jesus-colored glasses back on. They will come on in a little bit, but it's it's. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing that we did today in our in our pod, which it's it, both in in the world behind the text and in the way that we uh, live as followers of Christ who are in Christ. Uh, it does apply to us and the things that, that they missed about the servant in this poem, we often miss in the way that we try to live out our faith. So mm-hmm. I think I, hopefully it'll, it'll be a provocative, uh, yeah, provocative addition to the, to the, what we've already begun. So, and is that the uh, final week of the series or are we are the final week? And then we start hope month. We're starting a hope month all about the broken place of isolation and how we can go about healing it. And friends, if you haven't paid attention, I know Tyler just mentioned this, but Marin is going to be preaching August 15, 16. And I'm very excited about that. Yay. Um, so nervous. So, so no, you're so, going to so be amazing. Nervous. I can't wait for hope. So month. Nervous. Not just because Marin's preaching, which by the way, I'm going to bring like everybody I know to that sermon. I can't wait. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Um, but because I'm a victim of uh, of isolation, I need some help because I want, like, my default is to isolate, and I need to be broken yeah. and healed of of that. So, <clears throat> yeah, we need to we'll we'll figure that out next month, I guess. But that'll be good. I want to learn. I want to learn from Marin because Marin, you are of all the people I know, you're probably one of the most intentionally others focused when it comes to things like community of anybody. I'm always tempted after a long day to just want to draw into a little ball and just be by myself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For whatever reason, every time I hear about what you're up to, you're always doing it with other people. And I'm like, man, if I had an ounce of that, uh, I would be happy. We'll talk about I that. I would be stressed we'll out. <laughs> I'd be stressed out. Uh, I'd be way behind on Twitter. Yeah, seriously. How do you have time to watch TikToks? <laughs> yeah. That's um, so all right. Funny. So I'm not going to be here next week. So you guys carry on with your theo- oh, theo- theology right. discussion. Um, <laughs> and I won't be here next week, but I might be here the week after. I don't know. We'll see. But um, carry on. All right. All right. We'll do our best. Cool. Um, so, guys, uh, we we mentioned this at the beginning of the pod, but if you have not yet read your email we kind of gave you an update about reopening stuff but we're 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 doing reservations or rsvps so if, if you've not done that but you do desire to be at grace church the weekend of august 1 2 
please go to our website and uh, you can do that now. We, you, uh, reservations are, are open and you can register as many people as you need. Um, obviously, those things will be free at all of our campuses, but we just want to know what, what kind of headcount uh, we ought to expect so that we can properly social distance and things like that. So gracechurch.us, you can find all that information there. Marin, will you please send us out on this uh, glorious <laughs> remote pod um, we're still trying to get everybody back in the building, but I don't know. Maybe we'll do it all in the same like building, but in different rooms or something. Cause I'm already here guys. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 